It's better to be hurt by the truth than comforted by a lie. That's Afghani author Khalid Hosseini, who wrote the wonderful book, The Kite Runner. This is Walking Your Talk, a personal development podcast about leadership, authenticity, and courage. I'm Carolyn Taylor, and I've spent my life working with leaders in organizations on how to change their culture. But this is much more personal. If you want to be known as someone who walks your talk at work and beyond, then this podcast is for you. Even though the kite runner doesn't have a lot in common with what we're talking about today, Khalid Hosani's observation about the power of the truth most certainly does. So I want to bring to your attention one area, crucial area, that allows you to become a more customer-centric person to walk your talk more credibly. After this episode, we're going to take a two-week break for the holidays, and then we'll return with some new angles and insights. So what I've found is there's one key dynamic which is usually overlooked in being able to respond much better to your customers. And that is that most customers do not tell you when they're unhappy because they are conflict avoidant. They just slip away when they get the chance. And most service or product providers do not welcome hearing negative feedback, even though they say they do. They just avoid or get defensive or kind of justify it. And we call those bad news avoiders. So what you've got is conflict avoidance meeting bad news avoidance. And the result is that there isn't any real communication and there is therefore no opportunity to respond and to regain trust and customer loyalty. Now, I say they are conflict avoider and they are bad news avoidance, but I could also say I am. I know I do both, and I suspect you probably do too. Actually, today I was in a hotel in the US. I came down to breakfast. It was okay. There wasn't really any nice bread. The scrambled eggs looked a bit like they were out of a packet. The oats looked a bit like they'd been cooked yesterday. I checked out, and, you know, she said what, she always says, did you enjoy your stay? Oh, yes, I say. But mentally, I'm already thinking about what hotel on the list of the company-approved ones will I stay in next time? Because I've made my decision. So why would I bother to tell them about the breakfast? And even if I did bother to fill out a survey, you know, I'd probably rank them a seven and not mention the breakfast specifically. So I just avoided the conflict and slipped away. How big do you think that problem is? As I was preparing for this, I was doing a little statistic from my business. And if I think about it, I could probably count on two hands the number of clients who have ever explicitly told me or told our team that they were very unhappy. And yet over the years, we have had hundreds of clients. And at least half of those are not working with us today. Now, some of them may have no further need that we can fill, or maybe they feel they've already used everything we can offer. But I'm pretty sure that most of them were happy, but maybe there was one or two small niggles. And when someone new or exciting came along, they weren't sufficiently attached to us 
or to me and delighted enough to say, no, I want to use Carolyn's organization. I want to use Walking the Talk for any culture work we have in the foreseeable future for any team building event. So what a massive opportunity that is. And you'll have the equivalent story in your business because customers just have so much choice. Now, I don't hear people talking as much about this large mass of people who either never became customers or just quietly moved away. So what I'm curious about then is what can you do? What can I do? What can we all do to become so unbelievably good at smoking out those niggles, that little mediocre breakfast or whatever it was, that you're then able to respond and resolve and build a much stronger base of loyal customers? So here's the beginning of the exercise for this week, and I'm going to weave it into a number of points that I want to make. First piece is the art of inquiry. So just inquiring, inquiring, inquiring of every customer that you can find. And not that superficial, did you enjoy your stay or those surveys or whatever, but really the deeper, the deeper conversation. Because remember that we're dealing with conflict avoidant people who will mostly not bother and not want to tell. So you've got to come at it sideways, you know. If there was one thing, for example, that I could improve, what would it be? Make it less negative. Tell me about your experience. Tell me more. What else happened? That kind of gentle inquiry. And then look for people. Look for people that you can talk to. So if you're a B2C business, a business to consumer, then you know lots of people who either experience your service or somebody else's very similar, your friends, anybody that you meet, really, start conversations with them. And if you're a B2B business and your customers are other businesses, you probably have to go to conferences or trade fairs or somewhere, somewhere where you can find out about needs or frustrations or social media. You might find it on there. There's all sorts of places to look. I was reading recently a study that McKinsey had done with an airline called United Polaris. And what they found out was in business class, really the only, then by way the number one thing that mattered to people was really comfortable beds to sleep on and nobody climbing over them over the night and waking them up. That was far more important than the luxury little trinkets that they give us or the meal that they think we're going to be so pleased to get. Most people don't even want to have a meal. They just want to sleep. So out of that, they kind of realized that what the most important thing they had to do was to redesign the way that their aircraft actually were inside so that they could stop people climbing over each other. You only get that when you ask deep enough questions. The second part of the exercise for this week is much more difficult. And that is be open. Remember I said this is about conflict avoidance, meeting bad news avoidance. So now we're talking about the bad news avoidance piece. And if you're the service provider, that means we're talking about you. You're the person who's trying to become customer-centric. And I think there are three challenges that we have to overcome here. The first one is that we don't dig because we don't like the bad news. You may have heard people talk sometimes about 
if they're in certain industries that have had a bad reputation, like, for example, banking recently, that people don't like to go out to dinner or they don't like to go to social events or attend a, an afternoon barbecue because they feel that if someone asks them who they work for, they've then got to explain and then somebody's going to come at them and start complaining. Everyone's always got a complaint story. But what if you were the person that did like the bad news and really dug further and further and all the time were thinking, what can I do? How can I contribute to make this different? So that's the first piece, to overcome your tendency to avoid bad news. Now, avoiding is one technique. There are a couple of other techniques which people do to not really encourage really finding out. One is to become defensive. So you respond back, no, 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 that's not true. You see, there's a really good explanation why this thing has to be this way. So being defensive doesn't necessarily mean being angry or aggressive. I was picked up at the airport the other day by the guy who, uh, who regularly comes to get me. And I come out of, the, out of immigration, I'm sitting looking around, he's not there. So I'm just about to you know, get out my phone, I've got to ring him, you know, why am I doing this? I pay to have someone actually there, why is he late and so on. Suddenly he sort of turns up and he says, I was in the bathroom. And that was all he said. He didn't say sorry. It was as if I'm in the bathroom was a perfectly good explanation for why he was late. I don't think it's going to take much for you to work out that, you know, another story would have been, I was running late and then I had to go to the bathroom. But no, 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 it was somehow like he'd got this beautiful little reasonable reason I was in the bathroom. What am I going to do? Say you shouldn't go to the bathroom? Which completely avoided the fact that if he'd been there earlier, of course, it wouldn't have been an issue. So that's what I mean about coming up with a good explanation why something just has to be that way. So one, avoid the bad news altogether. Two, have this subtle form of defensiveness, which is to come up with a very, I like to call them reasonable reason why things have to be the way they are. And the third one is to rationalize what we hear. We couldn't have done anything about that. You know, everyone in our industry has that problem. You know, they say we're too expensive, but, you know, we can't change that. I mean, head office that's our head office policy. You know, that's, we've just got higher corporate overheads. So rather than owning it and going, okay, what really happened there is we did not demonstrate enough extra value to overcome the fact that we have to charge higher prices, we rationalize it away. So as you can see, bad news avoidance has a number of different facets, if you like, from just not wanting to hear it at all to hearing it but not hearing it and justifying it in some way, which means that then, in effect, you haven't heard it. Now, just imagine and think back to when I said earlier on about the number of customers who, because they are in conflict avoidance, you actually never even get to know. They just left. They just were there one time, but they didn't come back and use you a second time. Or maybe, you know, they got close to buying you in the first place and then there, were, there was some good reason they came up why they didn't buy from you. Imagine how many people that is. I mean, it's going to be 
I don't want to put figures on it, but you know, certainly in our business, it would be, I would say, 90, you know, nine times the number of people we actually have as clients would fit into that category. So once you really hear what that niggle is, then you can respond. And my experience is that people and organizations are actually usually better at fixing things than about going into that uncomfortable place of hearing what the problem was in the first place. So I'm not going to do a podcast about how you then respond and how you fix things, because I think you probably know how to do that. I think the big issue is that we don't really get to hear what that problem is, because we are so uncomfortable with the possibility that actually we are not doing a good job. So if you can practice really getting to the customer's truth, and that is the exercise, then you can go ahead and fix it. So that completes the customer-centric series. I hope you've enjoyed that. And we're going to take a break now for two weeks. For those of you who are listening to this in live time, it's the holiday season. So do please message me on LinkedIn, probably is the best, with any suggestion that you have of feedback about the podcast for next year, anything you'd like me to add or do differently. You see, I do want to get to your truth. I want to hear what you think. So please message me, Carolyn Taylor at Walking the Talk. We're planning some different topics for the new year, but there's definitely room on the schedule for your ideas and I welcome them. So happy holidays. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next year.